Hey, everybody. Welcome back. I have a special guest with us today, Monica Froze. Monica Froze started as a blogger, and I love talking to bloggers that have built traffic and built amazing funnels to sell digital products because these are the people that I meet that have the most knowledge in how this works and have had the success at doing it. Monica is actually now a digital product coach for women business owners, and she has a podcast herself called the Empowered Business Podcast, and she's legit. She has an MBA degree in finance and marketing and has run two brands, her first blog, Redefining Mom, which was a site for helping women thrive in both motherhood and business, and now Empowered Business, where she's committed to empowering a 1,000 women to earn $100,000 through selling digital products. She actually spent 11 years working for a Fortune 100 company, running multi-million dollar marketing campaigns with large brands like Microsoft and HP. And now she provides online marketing education to small businesses that are looking to build a profitable revenue stream through digital products, through her online courses and her podcast. And this is important because you know we've talked about monetizing your podcast before and having an online business and how you can create products that sell, you know, we we talk about passive income all the time, but none of it's ever really passive. But if you can get the right product and you can get the right funnel, you can create revenue streams that you don't have to do too much to manage. And Monica's going to talk about that today. Um, we talk about why entrepreneurs and specifically women entrepreneurs should be creating digital products. We talk about how to pick a digital product that will actually resonate with your audience. Um, how to create a customer journey that will make customers love you, how to build an offer that customers and audience can't refuse. And we talk a little bit about her podcast in general. And at the end, she's actually got a, a special gift for us. She has a uh, training, free training called the Passion to Profit Experience. And it's cool. I really like it a lot because she offers it as with video, but also uh, as a private podcast feed that you can open up in Apple Podcasts, just like you're listening to me now. So without further ado, let's bring on Monica. Monica, welcome to Podcast Strategies. I'm really excited to have you here today because you talk about digital products. And this is one thing that in the podcasting world, I talk about routinely in terms of monetizing podcasts and how you can monetize your expertise and things like that. So uh, I'm happy that you're here. Um, to start out, I would love to hear from you a little bit of your story, how you got to this point of helping women entrepreneurs create digital products and, and coaching them in that process. Yeah. So, well, thanks for having me, first of sure. all. Uh, so I, I guess we could go back to the fact that I started in my corporate career when I was still an undergrad mm -hmm. and I got my MBA while I was working full-time. I was in the tech industry I did a lot of different jobs in the tech industry, but where I landed was in marketing, which is what I liked the most. Uh, I ran very large, uh, very large marketing campaigns for big brands like Microsoft, HP, and I got a lot of exposure into uh, the boardroom, which also came with a lot of toxic stuff mm -hmm. <laughs> that happened in the boardroom, especially in tech. I think tech is an industry that is very toxic, especially towards women. And where it really came out for me, well, it came out in a lot of ways, some ways I haven't even talked about publicly, but when it really came to a head was when I had my first daughter, I had her in 2012 and I was 27 at the time. And my career was at a crossroads where it was basically taking off. I was 
uh, getting a lot of opportunities to travel, but then I also had an infant and I also had really bad postpartum PTSD due to birth trauma. And I got really, really, really upset about the lack of maternity leave policies in the United States. I could not, I, I, I just did not realize how terrible really we are mm -hmm. in terms of taking care of, uh, families really mm -hmm. not just, it's not just even about moms. I mean, there's no, there's no parental leave even for fathers. So I started a blog to rant about it called redefining mom completely accidentally. It, mm -hmm. There was no intention. There was no strategy behind it. I was in the throes of postpartum, very upset about the, the, the policies and everything that was going on. Well, I ended up getting invited to the white house by president Obama. I originally put his email into, into spam and a coworker said, maybe you, I, I thought that what the white house doesn't email you. I did not know that was a thing, <laughs> especially a blogger who, I mean, I was working full time. I was just posting when I had time. I, there was no intentional strategy behind it. So I ended up calling the white house. There's a switchboard got routed to the person who did send me the email. It was a real event and it was happening five days from when the email was sent. I was sort of freaking out because I had a baby and I just did not have the capacity to yeah. hop on a plane to go to DC. They don't tell you anything about if the president's going to be there either. So, but he was, I got to see him present. And then I got invited into the West wing at a six person round table and got to talk to him about my wow. feelings and what I had experienced in I let it rip. <laughs> I will mm -hmm. say, I mean, when do you ever get in front of the leader of the free, free world to express your opinions about something? Mm -hmm. And I just let it go. And he, President Obama at the time, uh, pretty much challenged me and said, I was, he told me I was a spitfire. And then he said, so what are you going to do about all of this? And I looked at him like, no, what are you going to do about all of this? <laughs> and, he, and he's like, well, you're going to go into politics? And I, Absolutely not. And when I left, I just felt like I, I had a bigger calling. Like I wanted to make a bigger impact in the lives of women, uh, mm -hmm. particularly around finances and giving yeah. them access to money. I also, in my personal life, was exposed to some really unfortunate type circumstances where I saw a lot of women not have uh, say over their finances and didn't have access to make decisions for themselves. So that's when I, I ended up quitting about eight months later, my corporate job and turned redefining mom into full-time income. And that was really the basis of that was blogging, but something was missing. And, and the big thing that was missing to me with that was with my marketing background in corporate, I, everything I did had to come with an ROI. So a return on mm -hmm. investment. And I had such a hard time understanding why bloggers spent all of this time getting traffic to their website just to send it away or send it to someone else to make money. So the big popular ways bloggers make money are display ads. So yeah. I thought, okay, I'm gonna spend all this time getting traffic to my site and they're gonna click off to go. I made a few pennies for this click. Don't mm -hmm. understand how that benefits my best, my business. Then there's affiliate marketing. I'm not mm -hmm. against affiliate marketing if done right. Like recommend products that have changed your life and work for you. But I don't understand doing it on your website front facing because you don't own the relationship with the customer then. Cause once you send them away again, it's just like display ads. Like yeah. you got them to you, you sent them away. And then the third big option, at least back in 2016, when I went full time was sponsorships, which I would argue is in the influencer world is still yeah. a big deal. Uh, but sponsorships made me feel like I was still working in corporate. I was on someone else's deadline. I didn't really have control over my own destiny. Yeah. And then I, 
I say I accidentally landed on digital products because it really was an accident. I don't even think in 2016, people really were calling them digital products, to be honest with you. I took, so I, through quitting my job, my audience at the time, Redefining Mom was really born out of uh, support for working moms, our, Mm -hmm. our right to work. Uh, a right to earn money. And then I quit my job and my moms were sort of like, uh, so about that working mom blog that we've been following for a few years. I said, well, well, I'm still working. I'm just building my own business. Yeah. Lots of curiosity came from that. And the very first digital product I launched was in, in order to quit my job. Cause we relied on my income. I couldn't just like quit. I actually paid the mortgage and student loans and all that fun stuff. We had to do a pretty elaborate budget. So I had, as people were asking me these questions, so I clued in, oh, the problem. So people want to, women want to quit their job. They want more flexibility. They want to work on their own terms. They don't want to be told when they can see their kids and yeah. all of the stuff. Great. But what, what's the core? How do you make that happen? It all came back to money. So I took this a pretty elaborate spreadsheet for us at the time that my husband and I had put together to make this happen. I called it the family budget spreadsheet and I launched it to my audience Cause that was really, they were asking me how I quit my job, but how I quit my job was, I understood our financial situation yeah. and we made a plan for it to happen. Well, that numbers. Yeah. Yeah. That spreadsheet went on to earn several uh, hundreds of thousands of dollars. It was a $17 product. And I don't actively, it's about as passive as passive can be. And I'm not someone who's, Oh, this is so easy. It is not nothing about online businesses, quote unquote, easy. I show up every day. I mean, I work in my business every day and, but that spreadsheet is about as passive as they come Mm -hmm. at this point. Uh, and that really kicked off this. I've, I've launched, we estimate, we still have to count, but we've estimate we've launched anywhere from 75 to hundred digital products, Mm -hmm. everything from, you know, spreadsheets to courses, to memberships, group coaching, like mm-hmm. you name it, we've pretty much done it. And so through the, through all of this, I sort of had a sidestep for four years where I became known as the Pinterest ads girl in the blogging world, mm-hmm. uh, which is kind of like a whole side story, but that was end, ended up being like my signature course for four years. And when COVID happened, I sort of hit this roadblock in my life where I felt like, well, first of all, my second daughter had been born. I was coming out of postpartum with her. So it's yeah. kind of a perfect storm. And I decided that I feel like I lost the connection for why I started the business to begin with, to begin with, which was to make an impact in the lives of other yeah. women yeah. and teaching Pinterest advertising. I was totally disconnected from my mission. And that's when my new brand was born called Empowered Business. And that's where I that's teach where women. We're, that's where we're here. Yeah. Yes. That's where we're here. <laughs> how, to, how to teach women how to build digital products. <laughs> cool. Yeah. And let's not get started. I mean, hopefully we're moving in the right direction in terms of women and work and and how we treat new mothers and new fathers. And, um, you know, I've had recent conversations with uh, people on this podcast that live in Canada and they shared information about, oh, you get a year off and we pay half of your wages. Uh, we, we could do a whole episode on that because I think we probably agree on a lot of that stuff. But, you know, before we started, we talked a little bit about and, and you shared there about how your experience as a blogger and running a business as a woman that, you know, everything was like, oh, I have to answer to this company where I'm trying to get their ads and they're getting away from my stuff or I'm an affiliate and and I'm basically an employee uh, for working for a larger company. Um, and we talked before we started about 
multi-level marketing and network marketing where you're thinking, you know, a lot of new moms, it seems like the perfect thing and they can, it can be flexible, like you were saying, and they get started and they think they're creating their own business, but it's really their independent contractors for this other brand. And only like 1% of them make real big bucks and, and most people don't make any money at all. Um, so I'm really glad you shared uh, your mission and had gotten, have gotten back to it. But, you know, just to sum up, why do you think that women entrepreneurs should be creating digital products over other things? Like when, when I talk about monetizing a podcast or monetizing an online business, I'll use digital products as one of the things, or I might say, Oh, speaking or coaching or, uh, create a course, create a a workshop that you're going to do in person. What for you is the, is the, the draw of the digital product? Well, because my, the basis of my audience really is moms. And usually it's actually funny. The basis of my audience is, is moms who have younger children. And I also have a lot of grandmas, grandmas who want to reinvent themselves, who, uh, you know, they burned out on their career. Their kids are grown. Now they have small grandchildren that they want to spend time with, but they Mm -hmm. couldn't do that if they kept on their career path. So that's like, it's a really kind of weird dynamic. Uh, and I didn't even realize grandmas were a thing for me until, I launched the new brand, but mm-hmm. the reason digital products work very well for my audience is because like you said, okay, so let's take speaking. Well, speaking's going to require you to probably go somewhere and get on a stage. Mm-hmm. And the idea here uh, for my audience particularly is that you share your knowledge with other people who need it, but in on your terms. And so you can still be present in your family the way that you want to be present in your family. And mm-hmm. I don't hide from, from my students I have a full-time nanny. So I do work. I work about 35 hours a week. And then I take five hours a week to do me time basically mm-hmm. on my, while the nanny's here. Um, so I, I very much treat my business like corporate hours, but I could make a very good living mm-hmm. and work a lot less selling digital products. Uh, because here's the thing you create it once and you can sell it over and over again. Now, They don't just sell themselves. There's marketing that goes into it. There is work that you have to put in behind it. There's customer service that comes with it, but your profit margins are high because Mm -hmm. of the fact that you only do have to create it once. There's not overhead with it. And they're just so versatile. Like, And digital products can be digital courses and they can come with a component where you're in a Facebook group and you are giving your time, but you're going to charge more for that. You know, So they're Mm -hmm. just, for my moms, they're very, very, very versatile for them to start a business. And it's also an asset. So- you know, the difference between a digital product and selling someone else's like multi-level marketing, you don't own that, you know, you do not own the product. It's not yours. Uh, Mm -hmm. And it's just a low barrier to entry to get into online business. Okay. Now we've, we've talked here before about digital products and, and how to create them and how to use your expertise to come up with certain ideas. But I know even in my own experience, I create digital products. I have courses, I have a membership site, I have downloadable PDFs. Uh, I run Facebook ads, I do all these things and some things work and some things don't. Mm-hmm. So how do you create a product that really connects with the audience that you have or, or resonates with them in a way that they wanna buy and it succeeds and becomes that, you know, maybe let's say not even a six figure, but a four or five or figure PDF or spreadsheet. I think that when you get started, first of all, I, and I tell my students this all the time, not the first iteration of, of something likely isn't going to knock it out of the park. 
mm-hmm. because so a big part of how I teach too for the low barrier of entry is that you're getting paid at the same time as building your audience, which is backwards of blogging. So when you're a blogger, you're putting out a bunch of free content and you have no, there's no end game. So the whole point for me is create your end game and work backwards. So let's identify what your digital product is going to be first. Let's create it. And then you build the sales mechanism behind it. So when you're bringing people in, especially because a lot of people start with, with nobody, you know, I get a lot of people who don't even, they don't have an email list. They don't have anything. So how do you find people? Well, who, I always say you're asking the wrong question because who cares, who cares where you're going to find people if you have nothing to offer them. Mm-hmm. But once you figure out what you're going to offer them, actually, it's kind of a natural flow to get people to come to you because we do this thing called reverse engineering. And I focus on the three biggest search engines, essentially, which are Pinterest, which I happen Mm -hmm. to have a foothold in Pinterest because it's what I taught for four years, Google and YouTube. And they all provide different types of information. But when you when you actually back it up and think about the person that you want to help and search as if you're that person. I always like we use the five whys. So we constantly are backing up when we're creating our product and asking, but why, why do they need this? And we just keep asking the question why until we get to like the root, the number one problem that they have and what are they putting into the search bar on those three search engines Mm -hmm. and then reverse engineering. And I very clear, I call it reverse engineering, but it is not like some people might think of it as funnel hacking, which I have real strong opinions about copying people's intellectual property on the internet. And that is not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about figuring out what solutions to the problems that you want to solve are already out there. And then you're going to make yours your own unique one. And I would argue better because then you're going to understand what the problems are that you're trying to solve. (laughs) Okay. Okay. So you touched a little bit there on creating the product and, and doing that first. And, And I agree with you. It's, it's like, um, it's very similar when I have people coming to me and they want to start an online business. They want to start something new. They want to pivot out of what they're doing. And I'm talking to them about like w- what you've talked about in terms of blogging. If you're going to go into the online space, you have to create some sort of presence. You have to give people something. You have to establish a relationship and a trust. And that's why you have content marketing. That's why you have a blog. That's why you have a podcast. Um, so I get that you've got, you can't just throw out ideas. You can't just build an audience from nothing. You have to have a way to establish the trust, establish a relationship, and then also have something to provide to people that can help them. Um, so I'm glad that you talked about that. So let's, let's talk a little bit about finding those customers and, I want to hear your thoughts on how to build a customer base, build an email list, those types of things. But I've heard you use the term, uh, the customer journey or how to get customers to love you. What are your opinions on that? And how do you go about doing that with your students? Okay. So like we call it a sales funnel, but it's really Mm -hmm. a customer journey, right? Uh, Which a customer journey is simply how you take someone from not knowing you and getting them to pay you money. Like that's all it is. And where I find that it really, when I connect it to a real world example, like outside of internet marketing is when people are like, Oh, that makes sense. Cause I see sales funnels everywhere I go. Like Mm -hmm. everywhere I go, I see a sales funnel. So one of the examples I give is I had to buy a bike. 
I had a mountain bike that I had since I was 16. My kids want to go on bike rides. I'm on this mountain bike. It is not as comfortable as it was two decades ago. And I was complaining, didn't want to go on bike rides. And so what's my problem? My problem is I am 36, not 16 anymore. And I need a more comfortable bike. I don't even, are there different bikes than mountain bikes? I don't know. I've never shot. I haven't shot for a bike in 20 years. Mm -hmm. So what did I do? I went on Google and I looked for a bike shop. And then I went to the bike shop and now there's all the, there's hundreds of bikes. I'm like, how am I supposed to know a bike to buy? I like, here are my problems. I don't want to be hunched over. My butt hurts, all of this stuff. So a nice sales guy comes up and he educates me about the types of bikes and he answers all my questions. And he was so helpful that I ended up buying a bike. And guess what? Now I'm going to be a repeat customer because my kids are growing and they also need bikes. So and I also a car wash car washes, at least in Buffalo where I'm from are, are pretty big because we get the salt on our yeah, car exactly. in the winter. And I, I compliment the salespeople every time I go through the line because they want to upsell every it's a gigantic sales funnel. Mm-hmm. Oh, you came to get one car wash. Well, how about if you can get three car washes for the price of one? And what about your mm-hmm. undercar? And by the way, we also have a membership and you can come back with two cars in the household. <laughs> and yeah. I'm like, this is like the upsell magic going on here. That's all it is. It's how do you take someone, everyone has a problem, right? That's where Mm -hmm. it starts. And you're going to solve it with your product. So in in the case of the bike, you know, my problem was I needed a, I needed a bike that wasn't uncomfortable. And it was a whole customer journey to get me from not knowing this guy, Mike at the bike store Mm -hmm. to him paying me, paying him money and him getting my business Mm -hmm. after that. Cause a big thing I teach with digital products too, is that there really is no point to bring someone in to buy one digital product from you and then saying, bye, like business one-on-one is acquiring a new customer is way more expensive than serving your customers you already have. So I'm pretty big on the concept of a product ascension ladder as well. So Mm -hmm. when we start our digital products, we start at the bottom, we solve, I'm always harping on people. We solve, we, our digital products should solve one problem. That's what the first products should do one problem because you need to get them to know and like, and trust you. And if you make, you want it to be an easy, yes, you want to build their trust from there. And then you build products. What's their next problem. What's the yeah. next problem after that? Because, and that's really how you build a digital product business. In my yeah. opinion, at least. <laughs> I mean, yeah. And I I've called it value ladder before on this, yeah. this podcast that you, you have the people that come in. Um, like for instance, my email list is very much built on people who've come in through my lead magnet, which is essentially a free digital product that solves a product a problem for them. It's a checklist. And once they get on that email list, then they have the opportunity to see the, the two-figure products, the ones that are, oh, go further in this or learn how to pitch a podcast or all those types of things. And then the next step up from, up from that is the membership site. You know, This is going to cost you this much per year, it's monthly or whatever. And then from there, once they're in the membership site, ooh, they might want to go further and spend more time with me. And then, then there's a mastermind. There's uh, the people in the mastermind that start to really grow in their business and grow with their podcast that eventually say, hey, you know, I'm done editing my podcast. I'm done writing all this copy each week to promote my podcast. Then they become clients. So it's that journey, like you're saying, that, that, uh, that a lot of customers go through in their relationship with you. So I'm really glad that you talked about that. So you have a lot of success with this. Um, I don't want to give, I don't want you to give away everything, but I really like actionable tips 
what is one thing, one easy thing that people can do when they're making an offer for a product, whether it's on the sales page or however they're offering the product, what is one thing you can recommend for people to do that will lead to success? Okay. So first of all, because I, because I have a lot of bloggers that come to me Mm -hmm. and they can't wrap their mind around, what do you mean? I'm not going to blog anymore. Like you can blog by the way, like, Mm -hmm. but with the intent of selling your product, I don't, I have not, I stopped blogging in 2018. I do not blog anymore and I make plenty of money. So how do I do it? Well, there's, I actually did trademark this too, because I had a couple of people try to steal it. (laughs) It's called the triple dip funnel. So this, for me, this has been like the crux of how I've, I've grown the business. Mm -hmm. And what it is, is I view my sales pages as basically an educational piece. It's like a blog post, Mm -hmm. um, but it's the whole intent is that you're going to take the action to buy. So they have to get to know and like, and trust you. There's a lot of stuff that has to happen on the sales page. You can show social proof. I love transformation pictures for digital products. Anytime you can show like, this is where you are and this is where you're going to end up in a very visual way. So at the end of this, because of the fact that when a customer journey is really meant for people who don't know you yet, right? So what I noticed very early on was I was driving a lot of traffic to my sales pages But then if they weren't ready to buy, which you're going to, I mean, there's a significant percentage of people who are not going to be ready to buy. And this is actually where I think a lot of the tiny marketing, like tiny product marketing goes wrong because they talk about uh, the value of your list when you've brought on all buyers. And I'm like, but here's the problem. If I was getting, like, let's just say I was getting a hundred thousand page views on a sales. And this is, this was not this, this happened to me because I was really good at Pinterest. (laughs) Um, so I could get a hundred thousand page views to my budget family budget spreadsheet sales page, and maybe two to 3% would convert Mm -hmm. and industry average would tell you that's really good. Cold Mm -hmm. traffic, two to 3% would convert. But my mind was sitting there thinking I'm losing like 98 to 97% of this traffic. That's not very smart. So at the very end of my sales pages, I have a little blurb that says, not ready yet? Well, don't leave empty handed. Here's this free thing I can offer you. I get them to opt in. And then that exact offer that they saw on the sales page they landed on, they get a 20 minute countdown on a limited time offer. My Mm -hmm. limited time offer pages convert at 70%. The opt-in at the bottom was, every funnel is different, but anywhere from like 20 to 30%. So so that's where the triple dip came. Cause Mm -hmm. it's like, go for the sale, definitely get the email limited time offer. Yeah. And that's, that's basically how I've, how I've grown Okay, <laughs> for the last that, five years. That's a good, and, and that's a tip that I haven't shared here, but that's pretty much all of my sales pages have that aspect. Uh, my lead magnet, that idea of once you get the email, having the one-time offer, having the, the, the um, authentic, uh, scarcity, if you will. And I've even seen people too. We, we do that some in email sequences where you go through a nurturing sequence leading you to a launch sequence. And then even if you don't buy in the launch, you then get dropped back into another nurturing sequence that tries to build even more relationship. A lot of the, um, sales copywriters that I work with, that's the that's what they'll do with email sequences is create multiple funnels to 
get those people and ramp them up in establishing the relationship. Um, I've also heard these sales pages like that uh, called pillar content. Like I see that now where even if someone's blogging each week, even if we release like with clients, even if we do a weekly podcast, once a quarter, we will take maybe a topic that they have concentrated on and create a 1500, 2000 word pillar content blog that also has media, that also has uh, photos and charts and graphics, but then also has calls to action to take advantage of things that relate to that topic and, and all sorts of stuff. So I'm glad you reiterated that because that's that's something that I see people missing in funnels often uh, that is relatively easy to do. We, we like to talk about repurposing content and and bringing all that stuff that you're creating or maybe you've created in the past in your blog and reusing it in some way that that educates people um, and establishes more of that relationship. Um, so I know you have a podcast and uh, the Empowered Business Podcast. Um, I want to hear a little bit more about your experiences with that and how that has also helped your business, not only with your own digital products, but with the the business around your podcast, the business around helping women entrepreneurs create digital products and be successful. Um, so tell me, you know, how, how you decided to start the podcast and being a blogger and, and what effect you've seen so far from it. Okay. So I've wanted to podcast for a very long time mm -hmm. and it was, it was, there was, and I know I was, aware enough to know that for it to be successful, I had to be consistent. And mm -hmm. I just, Good. it took me this long to have the bandwidth and the team to be able to support it. <laughs> yeah. So I've always wanted to do it. I enjoy the talking medium way more than writing. Like I actually am a pretty good writer, but it takes a lot out of me. So the way I, when I decided to really double down on digital products and stop blogging and really like everything, any content you would find that was mm -hmm. before a firewall for me, always always focused on getting people on my email list. So I essentially grew by growing my email list. That was my number one yeah. priority. And the only, my bandwidth was such that I really, I could nurture them and I could nurture my paid students, but that was it. I just didn't have the bandwidth beyond that. But I ended up growing such a loyal fan base essentially through mm -hmm. email because I would write these really in-depth Basically, they could have been blog posts. We started yeah. repurposing them some into blog posts to my email list. But here's the thing. I got great responses and formed really great relationships. But, you know, 20, 20 to 25% open rate on each email. That would Some of them would take me eight hours to write. Mm -hmm. And so I quickly learned, well, I knew it. But again, the bandwidth issue, I needed a way to show up what I call outside of the paid firewall. Cause I put, I poured so much into my students over the years that all the content that was coming out of me was for my paid programs. And that's where I spent like 95% of my efforts, but there's at some point you're, you're capped, right? You have to, you have to have a way to keep bringing people through your funnel. Mm -hmm. And for me, the podcast was just like this natural way to solve all of the, all of my problems I was having. First of all, I enjoy, I enjoy the, the voice medium. It's a great way to network within your niche. And it really serves not only 
the ability for people to get to really know and like you because they get to hear you and they you're in your ear, their earbuds where they're doing all this stuff, like driving their kids to school that some of my readers or listeners, I should say, tell me that my kids, their kids know, I, I am very particular. I know I have a lot of moms, so I don't have an E on my podcast, yeah. which is fine. I, um, so they can listen with their kids and all of that. Um, but what it does too, is that we have show notes. So now we're doubling down on essentially the point of having a blog, which is to get, you know, SEO juice. So you can f- get found on search engines. And it's great. Cause it's such a more natural way for me to present myself. I feel like people really get like, it takes what they got from me in email to the next level now that they can hear me and I can repurpose all that into email. So I have one central piece of content now that I put out a weekly podcast, and that is what informs our content marketing strategy, our email marketing strategy, our social media strategy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's really, I never thought I was going to be able to be this available for people who hadn't paid me money yet, because I just <laughs> thought I'm never going to have that kind of bandwidth. And I feel like mm-hmm. podcasting really changed all that for me. That's awesome. And I really appreciate you confirming and backing up pretty much everything I say on this podcast each week. So well, you're welcome. <laughs> that's good. It really does work. And and there, you know, it's it's one of those things for a lot of people that just makes more sense than writing. And I've heard that before. Um, I, I know it's not because I work with podcasting clients and people who started on their own. I, I know that it's it's not always perfect and it's not always easy to do. What, what sort of growing pains have you experienced? Um, and I, and I do want to hear about the positives too. What, what effects have you seen from having the podcast? Well, there's no doubt that it has built a, like a next level type of relationship with a lot of people. Like I, we have students now that, that tell us that they buy because they've binged all my podcast episodes mm-hmm. and they feel like they know me. And so it was just a no brainer for them to buy our products. And mm-hmm. uh, we get that. That's probably like the number one reason we get now for people to buy our products. So we don't do sponsorships. Uh, we, we have got, we do guest interviews, but, and we allow people to, you know, mm-hmm. okay, I'm promoting my guests as well. Um, but we don't, I, I knew early on that this was meant to be a lead gen for my own business and to elevate those in my community. Uh, so it's a really important to me, like diversity initiatives and, uh, putting, putting, um, you know, women of color on the stage, Mm -hmm. all of that is very important to me as well. And, and that has provided me a medium to do that. I came in to podcasting with an email list that was pretty robust. So it's not, I tell people all the time, it's not fair to compare starting a podcast. Honestly, if I hadn't already had an audience, I wouldn't have bothered because it would have been a lot of legwork to get listeners. Mm -hmm. I, I don't, I think there are easier ways to grow. I think a podcast is a great way to amplify what you already have. I don't know if that's what you teach, but it's kind of how I feel. Well, and I guess it's kind of how I feel about blogging too. Like if you're going to put out a blog post, where is it leading to? Like, what's your intent? And so if you're just going to start a podcast with no audience, what, what's, where's it going? Like that. No, I, I, I agree completely. I am very straightforward with people and saying, if you're starting from scratch, be ready to podcast for six months to a year to a year and a half to two years before you feel like you're really getting momentum 
from the podcast. <clears throat> and at the same time, I talk to a lot of people. I have a lot of bloggers that come and they want to start a podcast or people who've got an email list already or they're a speaker, that type of thing. And I say to them, okay, well, what the podcast is going to be for you at first and a, and a great way to look at this is take your current audience, figure out from that current audience who wants to listen to the podcast, because just like you saw that 5%, 10%, maybe 20, if you're lucky of your 10,000, 20,000 people on your email list that decide to listen to the podcast, they are now going to be your 500,000, 2000 people that will do everything you ask them to do. Yes. <clears throat> they will buy stuff. They will talk to other people. They will help you then grow your podcast. And then you can grow from the outside and you can do things like you're now doing, which is, you know, having a, a PR person helping you go to other podcasts as a guest and be an expert and talk about these things. So I'm glad that you presented that. I'm glad I tell people up front, podcasts do not go viral. Like the average podcaster gets about 120 downloads per week or per episode. Oh, so, really? Well, I'm doing good then. <laughs> yeah. So you, you know, the top 20%, if you get a thousand downloads per week, you're in the top 20% of all podcasts. Oh. You get 2000, you're in the top 10. If you get 5,000, you're in the top 3% of all podcasts. If you get per episode. So that's one of the things like where I like how you said that it really amplifies what you have. It builds a relationship of trust as an authority, as an expert that leads to more sales or leads to bigger leads, bigger clients that want to just come in and work with you and say, Hey, I don't want to do any of this myself. Please help me. Um, that's what we see a lot. And then just like you said, because of the effects of people can listen everywhere. You're, you're there with them. I, I often joke about, you know, you've got a lot of people listening to you in the shower. Like there's this intimate thing that's happening where, um, I'm glad earlier you said the consistency thing as well, because if you ghost your audience, it's like them being ghosted by friends and yeah. they don't like that. And they, 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 it can destroy the relationship really quickly. So that, that's, that's really helpful. Um, it's, go ahead. It's also made me way uh, easier to refer. So before if, and, and I have had a pretty solid fan base of, uh, you know, people who really like they would open all my emails and they would yeah. comment on all my social stuff. And so they are the ones listening to the podcast, but before, I mean, what could they, how could they really recommend me to their friends? Well, they could recommend through affiliates, you know, you can buy her programs, but now my, my email list has this great way to say, you should listen to this episode to their friend. Like this was a really great, she articulated this so well, you should just listen to this. She, she'll yeah. tell you. And that happens all the time. The other thing it got me into, which is sort of like my new, my team's like, <laughs> my team's a little bit like, how far are we going to go with this? But private podcasts have become super, super important to me. Um, okay. We, so like so, premium content, something behind a wall where only your inner circle can get that content. Yeah. We're using it um, in our mastermind. We're using it in our membership. And we're also, we use it in our evergreen funnel. So what I realized was a big, a big, big problem with the way evergreen funnels have sort of been taught, which is let me sell my $2,000 program, but I'm going to give you like a five-day deadline. And by the way, you also have to watch this 90-minute video. Well, my moms don't have time for that. And they're right. certainly not at the computer for the 90 minutes that it takes to get through my content. Mm -hmm. So I put it all into a private podcast feed. That gets so... 
ooh, so much more downloads yeah. and listens than the video. Cause we track all the stats. Mm-hmm. I'm real big into tracking everything. So the video content gets way less engagement and I'm, oh, I've been missing out. And honestly, I never would have went down that. That would have felt very difficult for me to do had I not had a public facing podcast and really figured out that I enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, that's really powerful. I, I'm glad you shared that because I'm always looking for people to give them new ideas and ways they can use a podcast. Um, so that that's that's a top tip. I, I hope people have written that down, those of you that are listening right now. Um, but I want them to be able to, because you obviously know your stuff, Monica, like you've had a lot of success with this. If people want to get in touch with you, if people want to get some help from you or work with you, where should they go? I have a special link. <laughs> it's monicafroze.com forward slash PS for mm-hmm. podcasting strategies. Cool. Uh, and there we, we put like our top three things to connect. So if you want to get access to the private podcast feed, so you can listen in your earbuds, we have access to that. You can connect with me on Instagram. Uh, my handle's at monica.froze. And I actually do answer all my DMs, which I've heard is not very common necessarily nowadays, but I actually, I sit there at night with my toddler climbing on me. And that's when I answer (laughs) one of my DMs. Uh, And also we have a link to our podcast on there. Awesome. Well, thank you for sharing that. And thank you for being here. I would encourage people to go take a listen to your podcast as well. They can find that. They can find that at monicafroze.com slash podcast. I'll put all these links in the show notes, of course. Um, So Monica, thank you again for being here today. Thank you for having me.